Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting lakepoint.church/digital. Now, let's tune into the message for today. family. And if you guys got your Bibles, head over to Acts chapter 2. Acts 2. So we're going to be this weekend. Really excited about it. And uh, hey, I'm just going to give you a heads up. What we are doing today is we are preaching about the passage uh, of the day of Pentecost. There were a few things that happened on the day of Pentecost. There was um, the filling and empowering of the Spirit. The Spirit fell. There was a sermon preached and a whole bunch of people got baptized. So here's, here's what we're doing. Next week, we're essentially going to do that. And so uh, next week is Baptism Sunday or Baptism Weekend at Lake Point Church. And so I'm going to preach. Essentially, this sermon and next sermon are two parts of one sermon. So next week, I'm going to talk about what the Bible means when it talks about being led, walking by, being filled with the Spirit. And we're going to baptize hundreds and hundreds of people across all our locations and all of our services. It's going to be awesome. So uh, here's what I want to say is, man, there are hundreds of you who have given your life to Christ and crossed the line of faith um, in in the last few months. And so let me just say this, man, like, let me just lean in as your pastor. Um, When you made that decision, you did not just ask Jesus to save you from sin's penalty, but from sin's power. You didn't just get a savior, you submitted to a Lord. And Jesus said that if anybody follows him, we got to be willing to follow him to a cross in obedience. And so let me just say something to you, man. The first step of obedience that Jesus calls anybody that follows him to is to obey him by being baptized to like publicly show the world I'm with Jesus now. And so uh, let me just kind of say something with a little bit of an edge to it. Um, If you won't follow him into water, I promise you won't follow him to a cross. And so what a lot of you need to do is, man, in that first step of obedience, you just need to text the word LIFE to the number 20411. We'll get you hooked up. We'll baptize you next week. And all these people, we're going to be cheering you on and celebrating with you, man. We're going to be proud, okay? Well, hey, here's where we are today. We are in week three of a series that we are just calling There Is More. And and I want to remind you about uh, the Holy Spirit, okay? And I want to remind you why we're calling this series There Is More, okay? This is a passage I started out in the whole series with from Acts chapter, let's go and toss it up there, Acts chapter 19. And it just says this, it says, while Apollos was at Corinth, it says, Paul found some, and this is important, some disciples. So these are people that were already trying to follow Jesus. So like, hey, we're, we're, we're trying to do that. And he asked them, well, hey, that's awesome. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So there's two things we know about these people. They were following Jesus and they believed the gospel. And Paul goes, that's great. I love that you're doing those things. This was a unique time in biblical history. And so Paul goes, hey, did you also get to begin a relationship with the Holy Spirit? And watch what they said. They said, no, we, we haven't even heard about the Holy Spirit. 
And we don't even know anything about that. What is that? So Paul takes them aside in the passage and he explains to them, hey, there is more than what you've experienced so far. And then it just says this, when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. Now, this was a unique time in biblical history. I'm gonna get to that next week. But I think that passage is a great illustration for what a lot of Christians' lives are. Like right now, uh, in churches all over America, they kind of say this, they go, hey, I've believed the gospel, check. I'm trying to follow Jesus. I know godly principles. You know, I'm trying to understand doctrines. I'm reading my Bible, check, I'm, I'm doing that. But man, honestly, I don't know anything about having a living and active relationship with the Holy Spirit. And what I want to do in this series is we want to go, hey, there is more. There is more, okay? And so this week, we're talking about like the Everest of all passages on the Holy Spirit. We're getting into Acts chapter 2 now. Um, Heads up. We're going to do a lot of Bible today. Lake Point Church, I am assuming we are a church that's okay with a lot of Bible in a sermon. Are we that church? Okay, that's it. About 50% of you like that. And I'm like, oh man, we're going to win the rest of you over. Okay. Uh, All right, so here we go. Let's get right into it. Uh, We're going to start right here in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. It just says this. I want to point some out. It says, now, when the day of, will you guys say this word with me? The day of? Pentecost, that's great. Now, it says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together on place. Now, really quick, that word Pentecost is scary to a lot of people because they're just like, man, the only time I ever hear Pentecost or Pentecostal is weird people and tambourines and flags and tongues and shofars. And right now you're looking around services and you're going, you haven't seen a shofar yet. And you're like, shofar, show good. You know, it's great. We're doing real good so far. And so it's like, all you've ever known is that word is a scary word. So let me just explain. And by the way, uh, the question, I, here's a, each of these sermons, I'm kind of in my head titling with a question. So the first week of this series was, who is he? And this week of the series about the Holy Spirit, my, kind of my question is, is he Pentecostal? Well, what's that mean? We know that John was a Baptist. So, you know, this was the, you get it? Okay, that's a few of you. All right, so let's get it now. So here, what, here's a question. What does that word mean? What do people mean when they use the word Pentecost, okay? Now, I got, I got to teach a little bit. Let me, let me teach a little bit, okay? Now, what we have here, I got to take you back to the Old Testament. In, in ancient Israel, Old Testament Israel, there were three feasts, three major feasts that mark the religious calendar, okay? Here were the feasts. There was the Feast of Passover that happened in the first month of the year, the Feast of Pentecost that happened in the third month of the year, and then the Feast of Tabernacles that happened in the seventh month of the year. Each of these feasts, they commemorated and celebrated something very specific, okay? So for instance, the Feast of Passover, it represented when the spirit of death, watch this, passed over the people of Israel while they were in Egypt, okay? Pass over, passed over. Got it, okay. Now, the Feast of Pentecost celebrated, watch this, the giving of the law at Mount Sinai, where God gave the Ten Commandments, the giving of the law at Mount Sinai. Now, you may go, well, hey, I understand why Passover was called Passover. I get that. Why is it called Pentecost? Well, here's why. The giving of the law happened 50 days after Passover, and so the Feast of Pentecost happened 50 days after Passover. Why is it called Pentecost? Well, think about this word. Penta means five. We have words in the English language like this. Pentagon means five-sided. Penta means five. Costa means uh, by a factor of 10. 
So here's what Pentecost means. It means 50. <laughs> what do you mean? It means 50. Now, some of you, that's, been a, that's a really scary word because you just get pictures in your heads, like I said, of crazy people and emotionalism and dancing and flags and tongues and everything like that. Or, or women with lots of makeup or women with no makeup at all and really long dresses. That's just really, so you're just like, I don't know, okay? Here's all it means, let's demystify it. It just means 50. That's all it means, we can stop freaking out, okay? That's all that means, 50, okay? Now, the Feast of Tabernacles, it celebrated the exodus of the people of Israel out of Egypt when God dwelled with them in a, a, a structure called the tabernacle in the wilderness, okay? Now, let, let, that was first gear. We're going to go all the way up to Bible theology fifth gear, okay? That, that's what we're going to do right now. Now, what's interesting about each of these feasts is all of them were fulfilled in the New Testament. Now, here's what I mean. I'm, let me take them in turn, okay? So at the, let's do Feast of Passover first. At the Feast of Passover, the, the, a spotless lamb's blood was shed for the sins of the people, Okay, now fast forward to the New Testament. John the Baptist sees Jesus coming for the first time. He shouts out in front of everybody. You remember what he shouts? He shouts, behold the lamb. Behold the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And that was what they celebrated. The shedding of the blood of a lamb that took away the sins of the people on the feast of Passover, on the day of Passover. Now, pop quiz. What day of the year do you think Jesus was crucified? Passover. Now, it gets even better than that, okay? In the Old Testament, God told the people of Israel that they were to cut the throat of a spotless lamb at 9 a.m. For thousands of years, he said exactly 9 a.m. For thousands of years, people wondered, <clears throat> why? Why did God command for the lamb to be slain, the innocent spotless lamb to be slain, at 9 a.m. for his blood to be shed? Why? And then thousands of years later, at exactly 9 a.m., that's when they nailed Jesus, the lamb of God, to the cross. It gets even better than that. In the Old Testament, God commanded that it was exactly at 3 p.m. Nobody knew why. Exactly at 3 p.m. that they were supposed to take that spotless lamb and begin to prepare it to be put in the oven. Fast forward thousands of years. At exactly 3 p.m., they took Jesus off the cross to prepare him to be put in the tomb. That's amazing. Jesus completely fulfilled the feast of Passover. Okay, now watch this. That's I like you. I like that guy. Okay, now watch this. I'm, I'm going to get to Pentecost in a second because that's what we're talking about today. So I got to go from the, I'm, I'm going to skip to the third one. Now the Feast of Tabernacles, it was a week-long feast and there were three feasts inside of the week-long feast. That's my kind of, it was a Texas feast is what it was right there, man. Oh, that's my kind of feast. And here, here were the names of the three feasts in the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Trumpets, atonement and tabernacles. Three feasts inside the feast, trumpets, atonement, and tabernacles. You may go, well, wait, Josh, how has the feast of tabernacles been fulfilled? Actually, it hasn't been fulfilled yet, but it will someday because someday, guys, a trumpet is going to sound. And then, and then a trumpet is going to sound, and then there's going to be a judgment but because of the atonement of Jesus' blood, we will tabernacle with God for all of eternity. You see, it's going to be fulfilled, all right? Now, 
Let's get to the middle one. This is why we're here today. Feast of Pentecost. That was the one right in the middle. All right. Now remember, this is, I'm going to do a little recap here. You guys act surprised and then, you know, like it's awesome. Like you've never heard it before. I talked about it in week one, but I got to get to it today. Okay. Remember, Feast of Pentecost celebrated the giving of the law at Mount Sinai 50 days after the first Passover. Okay. Now, now this is, this, this, this kind of thing blows my mind. I love the Bible so much. Watch this. Okay. So at the original giving, how does Pentecost fulfill the original giving of the law? Okay. Well, remember, at the original giving of the law, there was a loud noise, a cloud descended, there was fire on the mountain, God wrote his law on tablets of stone, and 3,000 people died that day. Now, fast forward to Pentecost in the New Testament, what do you have? There's a loud noise, the sound of a mighty rushing wind fills the place. The cloud of the presence of the Spirit descended. Divided tongues of fire came to rest on every person. God wrote his law on men's hearts, and 3,000 people were saved. That's awesome. Okay, that's awesome. Okay? So... This is, so Pentecost is fulfilling this thing that happened in the Old Testament. Now, so what happens here? God is writing his law on people's hearts. I need you to understand this. You got to understand this. You're not going to understand the purpose and presence and power of the Holy Spirit in your life. What the Spirit did at Pentecost is he gave them power to write the law on their hearts. What I mean is this. In the Old Testament, the law wasn't inside of people as something they wanted to do. It was outside of people as something they had to do but did not have the power to do. So what you had is, think about this, Moses is up on the top of the mountain. God's very finger is etching his laws into the tablets. And while God is writing the commandments, commandments like, thou shalt not commit adultery. While God is, before the ink is even dry, guess what the people of God are doing at the bottom of the mountain? They are committing adultery. So here's what's happening, okay? Jesus Jesus came so he came so that we could have righteousness, that we could have right standing with God. The Spirit comes to give us power to live righteously. He turns what we have to do into what we want to do. And can I just say something to you? <laughs> like, let me just say something really straightforward. If you think you could live the victorious, a, a, a Christian life in this broken, sinful, demonic world on your own power, God bless your heart. Let me just say that. Bless your heart. Now, really quick, I need to explain something because we got a lot of people moving from out west in the northeast here. And you think when I said bless your heart, you think, oh, how sweet. He actually wants my heart to be blessed. Okay. You don't understand. You have just been southern cussed. That's what happened. Okay. So let me, let me, let me just explain, let me explain something to you real quick, okay? So, so that's what that is. When my grandma said, bless your heart, what that meant was, oh, you're too dumb to talk to. That's what that meant. So, this, so when I said, listen, when I, for all you who are new, new to this area, when I said, bless your heart, that's not a good thing. I'm saying like, you need to get your mind right. That, that's what, you're not going to be able to do it. So what happens here, what happened at Pentecost? The power of God came down and he came to live and fill every Christian everywhere to empower us to live the Christian life, okay? That's what he did. Now, let me uh, talk about first, let me talk about what this doesn't mean, okay? Let me talk about what this doesn't mean. What does it not mean that God is now giving power 
to Christians, okay? Now, I'm gonna give you a really, really quick heads up. Whenever I'm writing a sermon, the last thing I do is on Friday, I take a really long walk and I pray through every point of the sermon. I'm like, hey, Holy Spirit, is there anything that you want me to say? And th- there was a couple spots in the sermon this week that was like, I need you to say this. This was one of them. It is not something that I wanna say, <laughs> okay? Uh, because this is the spot in the sermon that, that I, I know that some people won't like. But I'm assuming that you came for your pastor to tell you what the Bible says and not what you want to hear, and that we're, we're going to be okay with that, okay? Now, heads up, some of you that are clapping right now will be frowning in about 30 seconds, okay? Okay, let me, let me do that. All right, so l- l- here, so power. Jesus said what was going to happen at Acts 2. He was like, hey, I'm going to give you power. Watch what, how he said it in Acts, uh, Acts 1. It says, then they gathered around. This is before Pentecost. Then they gathered around him, and they said, Lord, are you at this time? This, this is what they said. They were like, great. You're going to give us power? Awesome. Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Here's what they were saying. They were like, Jesus, are we going to ride into Rome and topple the government and put in our own government? Are you going to make us kings and queens and, and powerful people? Are we going to get all these powerful, powerful positions in the kingdom? Jesus, this is going to be awesome. Jesus for president. We're in. They started going, Jesus, this is great. Jesus, we'll put together our, uh, our Make Israel Great Again hats. This is going to be awesome. Jesus, we can, we can build back the Beatitudes. We can get that bumper sticker on the backs of all the camels. In fact, Jesus, if we work really hard, I think what we can do is we can get Not My Caesar hashtag trending. We can get it working, Jesus. Let's go do this thing. But then watch what Jesus said. He said, whoa, not that kind of power. He said, I'm talking about a different kind of power. Watch this. He said, hey, it's not for you to know times or dates the Father set by his own authority. In other words, that's going to happen later when I come back a second time. But that's not what I'm talking about right now. I'm talking about something different. And then he said this. He said, but you'll receive power when? When the Holy Spirit comes on you. I'm I'm talking, Jesus is going, I'm not talking about natural power. I'm talking about something way better than that. I'm talking about spiritual power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Okay, now, this is the spot in the message where I just need to say something. Uh, Let me just get kind of in a really straightforward way. This is a warning against the people of God. Listen to me close. Do not put words in my mouth that I did not say. I scripted every part of the sermon. This is a warning against the people of God missing the supernatural power of the Spirit because they got overly distracted by earthly power through politics. Okay, now listen. Hey, listen, do not misunderstand me. Listen to what I'm not saying. I am not saying that Christians shouldn't be involved in politics. In fact, we we are called by Christ to be the salt and light in this dark world. And one way that we do that is by making sure that good laws, that good leaders are in place to put good, good laws in place for justice, righteousness, truth, all those things. One way that we love, are you love your neighbor in the voting booth. You walk into that place as a disciple of Jesus Christ. You are not just a citizen, you are a disciple in that spot. And things like what our kids get taught in schools matters. And that stuff happens through political processes. So do not misunderstand me. I am not saying that Christians shouldn't be involved in politics. In fact, let me just say it like this. I I want you more engaged in the political process, not less. I want you more engaged, okay? But listen, I am not warning against political engagement, I am warning against political idolatry. And there have been times in history when the church has gotten so focused on getting an inauguration that we stop seeking anointing. And that's a problem because politicians can pass laws, they are powerless to change hearts. 
Guys, the spirit of the living God can do what no senator will ever be able to do. And that's what we need. We need that kind of power, okay? So can I just like, let me ask you just a question. And this is a question like, listen, if you can't tell, I personally have strong political convictions, okay? If you can't tell. But this is like a pastoral question for you if you're a Christ follower. In your heart of hearts, do you yearn more deeply for a political platform or for a supernatural outpouring of the Spirit of God? Which one of those things occupies more mental space and emotional capacity for you? It matters. Okay, God wants to pour out this kind, supernatural power, my... My kingdom is not of this world type of power on the church. Now, what kind of power? Okay, check this out in Acts 2. Watch, watch what it says about this type of power. It says, suddenly, here's where God pours out his spirit for this power. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind, bookmark that word in your Bibles, a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of, circle the word, fire, fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Okay, now this, this is what we see right here. Uh, and all, uh, here we go, there we go, there it is. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues really quick here because that's a scary word. The Greek word that gets translated tongues, it's the Greek word glossa. Can you think of any word in the English language that sounds like glossa? Glossary, that's right. Here's all that word means. It means language. In this passage, they're enabled to speak other languages from other nations so that they can preach the gospel to people who have never heard about Jesus. That's what happens right here, okay? As the Spirit enabled them, okay? Now, what in the world does it mean that this power comes in the form of wind and fire, all right? Let me do this real quick so, so you understand it, all right? Let me do it real quick. Really interesting, the, in the Old Testament was primarily written in Hebrew. The New Testament was primarily written in Greek, in both the Old and the New Testament, the word that in your Bibles gets translated as spirit, or if you've got an old King James Bible, the Holy Ghost, you know, remember the Holy Ghost, okay? Uh, the, the word that gets translated spirit or ghost, it, it was the word in the Old Testament, ruach in Hebrew. It was the word pneuma in Greek. Both words can mean either spirit, watch this, or breath or violent wind, same word. Now, Pat, when you hear that, you're like, wind? You know, that doesn't sound very powerful. It's like, you know, not very powerful. Guys, weak things become very powerful if they get caught up in a violent wind. Very powerful. So in 2015, there was a tornado that ripped through this area, in the Rowlett area. There was a person on our Lake Point in Espanol staff whose car was outside during this violent wind tornado. And let, let me show you a picture of their car for two, from 2015, okay? Now check this out. I want you to think, this is a, this is a really great illustration. The preachers love good illustrations, a great illustration, okay? That is a stick that you on your own, that thing's weak enough, you on your own, you could break that stick if you wanted to. But when that weak thing got caught up in a powerful wind, it was able to do incredible damage. See, when God pours out his spirit on a Christian, you might be very weak. You get caught up in his power, you can do some damage to the kingdom. Okay, so, and that's true of 
people, churches, nations. It's true of all those things. Like you might be looking at yourself and you're like, man, you know, I'm, you got a lot of I'm just. I'm just 16. I'm just a high school dropout. I'm just a stay-at-home mom. Nope. You are just caught up in the power of the living God. He wants to pour that out on your life. So that's when. So when, but also watch this. Uh, he came in the form of fire. And this is, re- this is really important, okay? Why the form of fire, all right? Well, all throughout the Old Testament, whenever God's presence shows up, he seems to always show up in the form of fire. Uh, so for instance, he appeared to Moses in a, a bur- burning bush, okay? He led Israel through the wilderness as a pillar of fire. That's right, you're doing great, okay? Uh, he consumed Mount Sinai in fire, when he gave the law to Moses. The heavenly temple filled with fire and smoke when Isaiah saw it in Isaiah 6 and it filled with God's glory. Solomon saw, quote, the fire of God settle into the Holy of Holies when he commissioned the temple. And now in Acts 2, watch this, the fire of God has come to sit on the head of every believer. And here's what that means. Now every believer is a burning bush. That's what that means. You're a burning bush, all right? Now, this means two things. The fact that God's presence has come, wants to dwell inside of every Christian, this means two things. Number one, is inside you, inside equals intimacy. Inside equals intimacy. God put, listen guys, God put his spirit inside you because he doesn't just want religion from you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to speak to you, to love you, to live life with you. He wants to speak to you on the inside. And now listen to me. What is the primary way that the Spirit of God is going to speak to the children of God? Through the Word of God. In fact, the Spirit of God breathed out the Word of God. That's the primary way He's going to speak to you. Now, every now and then as a a pastor, somebody will ask me the question, Pastor Josh, have you ever heard God speak audibly? And a couple of years ago, I started changing my answer to that question. Now, every time somebody says that, I said, yeah, I say yes. Yes, I have. Every time I open my Bible and I read it out loud, I'm hearing the words of God audibly. You see, the Spirit of God speaks through Word of God. And watch this, the Word of God, the Bible says, is living and active. Why is the Bible living and active? Because there's a living and active person at work on it when you read it. See, you, this, this will happen to you when you walk with God. You can read something you've read a thousand times before and you'll see something you've never seen before because the Spirit is saying something to you he's never said before. See, God wants to have intimacy with you in his, in his word. Okay, now, number two, intimacy, but also in this while we're talking about this, power. Listen, he said, power and you will be my witnesses. So I, I just want to point this out. Power for what? Power for witness. Like, I just want to say this. Like, this is not prosperity gospel. God will give you power for healthy, wealthy, and wise, that kind of thing. God is not giving you power to get cash and prizes. God is not like a sky fairy in the air that's like a spiritual pinata, and you just whack him with faith. You're going to get everything you want to come down for you. That's not what he wants. Guys, Jesus died for you, but it's not all about you. It's not all about you. God gave his spirit for power for witness so that we could build up the kingdom of God and take the love of God to people through the ends of the earth. Okay? Now, when this happens, when God's Spirit falls on a person, a church, a group of people, a nation, everything changes. Everything changes. Uh, I want you to think about this. We talked about this in week one of the series. You, you remember when we, uh, I quoted a verse that's very confusing to people the first time they read it. Jesus tells his disciples right before he leaves, 
He says, oh, actually, don't, don't be sad, guys, because it's actually better for you if I leave, <laughs> because I, I'm going to send the helper, the Holy Spirit, and when he comes, you're, you're going to be just fine, okay? Now, when you read that, you're like, how in the world could it actually be better? Well, Acts 2 is the fulfillment of Jesus' promise, it would be better for you if I go. Think about this. So remember, in Acts 2, Peter preaches. You remember what Peter was doing seven weeks before Acts 2? He was running away from middle school girls scared. Middle school girls. Do you know that guy, Jesus? Literally profanity cursing them. I've never seen that guy. Don't know that guy. Seven weeks later, he's still in Jerusalem. He's preaching to the exact same leaders that crucified Jesus. And he stands up with power and authority and he preaches with boldness. You killed the Messiah. Repent and be baptized, you know. Times of refreshing might come. Save yourselves from this crooked generation. Something happened to that guy. They were cut to the heart and 3,000 people were saved. Now, what happened? Seven weeks. What? He's running away from middle school girls. He's defying the same people that killed Jesus. What happened? Power. Power came on him. See, that's Acts 2. You even got this. Think about, let's just do math with me here, okay? Uh, do, do math with me. So Jesus' ministry lasted three and a half years. You got Jesus and all his disciples doing work for, for three and a half years. At the end of those three and a half years, they had 120 disciples. Three and a half years, okay? You get to Acts chapter two, the spirit falls, Peter stands up and preaches a sermon, and in one day you get 3,000 of them. Now why? Why did that happen? Because the spirit inside you is better than Jesus beside you. It's better for us that he went, because now every single Christian everywhere, we are a burning bush. So let me ask this question. Somebody asked this question the very first week of the series. They said, hey, Pastor Josh, they were new to Lake Point. They said, hey, Pastor Josh, is Lake Point, they were like whispering, is Lake Point one of those Pentecostal churches? Are you one of those? Let me ask that question, okay? Well, if by that, you mean, are we part of a Pentecostal denomination? Or are we all speaking in tongues and flags and services and shofars and long skirts and tons of makeup or, you know, pants and no makeup and that kind of thing? Okay. Well, then by any of those definitions, no, we are not a Pentecostal church. But if by that you're pointing to Acts chapter 2 and you're asking, does this church believe that the power of God is still at work today? And you're asking, do you believe that he's still stretching out his hand to perform signs and wonders to lift up the name of Jesus and that one second in the presence of God can change everything? Yes, very much. We want to be that. Yeah, we do. Yes, we do want to be that. So listen, guys, like, let me just like, ah, I, man, I wish the Lord would just give me power to preach right now. Guys, we need, we need power. We need something way past great strategic planning. We need an outpouring of spiritual power. Do you guys understand the situation that we're facing right now? Like in our country, this is fascinating. Right now, every year, a million young people per year are walking away from the things of God in the church. There is division, hatred, bitterness, and division in our nation, unlike people have seen maybe since the Civil War. There is a rise of overt godlessness and opposition to the gospel like we've never seen before. Guys, no amount of simple strategic planning can fix that. We need spiritual power. 
That's, what, that's the only way we can get it. it well, here's what bothers me. Like, I, this is the kind of thing that keeps me awake at night. You look out at the world, the church and the gospel are flourishing everywhere in the world, not doing so great in America. We got the most resources. We got the most financial resources. We got seminaries. We got conferences. We got really gifted speakers. We got web platforms. We got everything, a marketing team. We got all that stuff. We got the most resources, but the church is shrinking. We're having little effect. Do you know why? Because we need something more than planning. We need power. We need power from on high. Uh, I just want to, let me, let me land a plane and I want to apply this to your personal life here in a second, okay? We saw this in small measure earlier this year in our church. Um, you know, if you guys didn't know this, it was, it was actually a little hard to lead a church, you know, through and out of that little COVID season. That was, it was like riding a unicycle on a, you know, I don't know, it was not, it was not easy. And uh, when we were gathering the church back, we got to the beginning of this year, and Lake Point was doing great. We're actually doing better than the national average. But it was really bothering me that there was still a significant portion of our church that had not regathered. And we weren't seeing conversion, like, was really pent up in my heart. I was like, man, God, what's going on? And we developed a burden at the end of last year to pray. And, and it was at that year we called in January, we decided, man, before we do anything else, we've had great planning, now what we need, let's add power to the planning. And we called up, some of you were there, we called a prayer meeting in the middle of January. And we called our entire staff for a month before that prayer meeting that we just devoted ourselves to a season of prayer that God would like acts to, like, hey God, would you just shake the room and pour something out we don't have? And what happened, if you weren't there, let me tell you the story. That day, something happened. It's probably it was one of the highlight moments of my entire spiritual life. We planned for about 10% of our church, you know, to show up to a prayer meeting. That's about what's normal. And we were in this room, and about 60 to 90 minutes before that prayer meeting, there was almost 2,000 people here just walking the halls, praying over the coming prayer meeting. Uh, that night, we crammed into this room. This room seats, the room I'm in, seats about 4,500 people. 6,000 people came to a prayer meeting that night. Another 6,000 were online. There were 12,000 people gathered for prayer on a Wednesday night at Lake Point. And guys, I don't know how to say it. It was like heaven kissed earth. I mean, like, like something happened that night. And there was like a, an outpouring. It really was. It was just like, man, there was a, a unique move of the Spirit. Nobody wanted to leave. I mean, it was like we were crying out to the living God. And it really felt like, man, I, I don't know the, the right words to use. It really felt like the room kind of shook. Something just happened. I, I, in fact, last, I'm still hearing stories almost every week about things that happened at, after that, that night. That set people free in their lives. After that week, uh, attendance jumped at Lake Point, 2,000 people in one week. And after that, it kept going up by hundreds every week. And we just, for the first time ever, averaged over 15,000 people in worship over the course of a month, and over 1,000 people were saved last month. Now, now listen, that's awesome. That's awesome. Guys, you need something in your life that's better than just planning. You, you need power. In fact, let's just look at this. It just says this in 1 Corinthians. It says, hey, the kingdom of God, it's not just a lot of talk. 
Like there's a lot of people who that, you know, they talk about the things of God and they know all the doctrines and they got good principles for, you know, wise and righteous living. And by the way, all that's real good, but it's not just that. It's not just a lot of talk. It's living by God's power. And there's people who talk about Bible verses and concepts and they know principles, but you need more than that. You need to live by God's power and you got to seek God because you need God. If you look at your life, what you're going to notice is there are things far beyond your natural ability. You need supernatural ability. Things in your families, decisions you need to make, your ability to lead in your business at what we need to happen in our culture. You may have prodigal children that need to come home. You may have kingdom dreams in your heart. You want to see God do, you know, through your life on this earth. You, you need that. And we're going to talk about what that looks like in the next couple of weeks. I'll just give you two quick action steps. Number one, number one, some of you are newer to the faith and you have never been baptized before. Now I'm going to cheat and give you a, a, a preview of next week's sermon. The question really isn't how much of the Holy Spirit you have. The question is how much of you does the Holy Spirit have? And your level of repentance will very often reflect your level of filling is what, what the, I'm going to talk about all that next week. And just watch this, watch how Peter says it. There's people in Acts 2 that wanted the Holy Spirit. And he goes, hey, they were kind of the heart. And they said, brothers, what do we got to do? They went, hey, how do we get that thing you got? We want that. And, and, and then here, Peter said, well, here's what you do. You, you got to repent and be baptized. <laughs> baptized means immersed. When the New Testament talks about being, quote, baptized with or by the Holy Spirit, here's all, it just means I want you immersed in the presence of God. And he's saying, if you, if you want to be immersed in God's presence, you need to first be immersed in water. You need to obey God in repentance, and your repentance will often lead to a, a greater measure of God's Spirit in your life. And so, like, let me just say something. Some of you are brand new to the faith, or you've never been baptized since you've given your life to Christ. And you need to walk in overt obedience to Jesus, and he will respond to that and do fresh work in your life. And so like next week, like you need to be baptized at Baptism Sunday. You need that, okay? That, that's no, you can text, here's your action step. Text the word life to 20411. We'll get you and your family ready. We'll baptize you next week, okay? That's number one. Now number two, in Acts 2, they were praying when the spirit fell. Here's a prayer that I want you to pray every morning this week. Non-threatening prayer. Every morning next week to prepare your heart for next week's message. Here's what it is. I want you to pray this prayer. God, if there's more, I want it. Just say it, you know? God, whatever's in there in your word, if there's more for me to experience, I want it. And so right now I wanna pray for our hearts, for us to experience that. And so would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And God, Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. We, we, want, we want you. We want everything you've got on offer. We want power for witness. We want people saved. We want people freed from sin. We want prodigal children coming home. We, we, we want greater obedience to your word. We want the glory of God to be lifted up. We want to plant churches. We, we want it all. And we want it so that the name of Jesus would be vindicated in this dark world. And so, Father, uh, we, we welcome you and we release ourselves to you, would you please pour out your spirit? We're asking like children for our Father to give us a good gift. It's in Jesus' crucified, risen name we pray. Amen, 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 amen. Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. 
For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church/digital. Thank you.